Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On, the relatively new comedy podcast with myself, Dave Warnicky, and I'm here with my chums, Jess Perkins. Hello. Hello, Jess, and of course, Matt Stewart. How are we, Matt? Good, thanks, Dave. Thanks for, I was going to say having me. Thanks for me. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, remember when you said, I think you should do the, you should do the intros every week, Dave. And I was like, oh, maybe we should all have a go at doing the intro. Well, I'm glad that you convinced me that I should do the intro. Well, you reckon? I'm starting to feel, I'm feeling like I'm warming into it. You're, you're really getting into this? Well, this is the podcast where... We're going we're gonna to keep that? Yep. All right, great. No, I think that's fun. No worries. It's great. It's great to have you on your own show. Hi, it Matt. Is... I'm here too. Oh, hey, Jess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thanks for coming in. <laughs> so, hold Thanks on. Who's hosting it then? If you're a guest and so is Jess. It's a, it's a vicious cycle. We're all guests. We're, we're all guests. Everyone is a guest tonight. If you are listening to this show, welcome. Uh, uh, this I'm is your guest. <laughs> Jess is my guest. You're Jess's guest. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a game of guest who. Oh, that sucks. I um, this is, Well, this is the show where we um, take it in turns to prepare a class report. 
to um, present to the other two people, research one topic and sort of try and educate the others about something. And um, this week, Matt is going to be presenting a report to Jess and I. Yeah. And we have no idea what you are about to talk about, Matt. So we normally start an episode with a question. That's right, because we're all big trivia peeps. That's mm-hmm. right. That's big how we got into this. World of trivia, that's right. In one way or another, we work with uh, questions and such. Yeah. So the question I want to ask you guys, which is the answer is the topic I'm going to talk about. My question is, what is the biggest failure in Australia's history? What's a big failure? Big Australian Ooh. failure. Tony Abbott. Ooh. Tony Abbott from Just <laughs> <laughs> Electing him. That is a big failure, but I would probably failure. say, I reckon Gallipoli. The Gallipoli oh, campaign. Great oh, one. That, probably oh, absolute disaster, and it was not the Australians' fault. That's probably a better answer than what I have. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> what have you got? It's not, so we're not going to talk about Gallipoli? No, not Gallipoli, um, but it is a, uh, an, an historical um, failure. Uh, is it f- part of the First World War? Like no, Gallipoli? No? no, it's not the First World War. It's um, pre-First World War. Oh. So at the time, it was a bigger, it was much bigger failure than Gallipoli, because at the time, Gallipoli was just a nice coastal town. But, well, okay, well, there you <laughs> go. Hadn't failed at anything. No, that's right. Gallipoli was... <laughs> they were all success was, by then. It was a I gem. Mean, yeah, a real gem. I guess it still is for them, because... Australia were the ones who failed. Gallipoli buddy kicked it in the dick. That's right. Turkey <laughs> did pretty well. <laughs> okay. So oh, I'm going to stop guessing. I, I think, okay, Jess and I are clearly wrong. What do you guys know about uh, the Burke and Wills expedition? Oh. Oh, I have, yes, I have heard about that and I, I don't know too much, but I know it ends badly. Yeah, it's not good. Well, actually, I, I know uh, my dad always, if anybody says they've walked somewhere or how are you going to get somewhere... I'm just going to walk. Dad will always go, ugh, you know what they did to Burke and Wills? Really? Yeah, it's a great joke. So um, in a way, they were a success. Because they, right, they ended s- up in a Perkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perkins. A family yeah. phrase. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Good on them. Good on End em. of episode. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Let's go to the pub. So I, I was, I, um, I looked into this a lot about a month ago, and I haven't thought about it much since then. So I'm going to hopefully give you a sweet report still. Great. I, well, I don't think in the month that the report will have been redundant considering the events happened 150 years I'm, ago. I'm hoping no new information has come to light. <laughs> it's come to light. Oh, actually, it turns out that they, they, they had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let me take you back. <laughs> to, what, 1850? Right, 1850s, that was when uh, gold was found in Victoria and it kicked off a big gold rush. Melbourne basically pretty much didn't exist at that time. Um, but by the end of 1852, there were 90,000 new people in Victoria searching for gold. Right. So Melbourne had a big boom. It was around that time when they uh, got the nickname Smelbourne because their <laughs> sewerage <laughs> wasn't very good. You know that? They, I did not know we had that nickname. That's amazing. Yeah, there were, it was all open sewerage. Oh. Uh, and a big boom in population meant a big boom in, in boom sewerage. In boomers. <laughs> I found a quote, in the block bounded by Great and Little Burke Streets, Elizabeth Street and Swanson Street, there is a space of upwards of 100 square yards, hitherto occupied, that's how you know it's old, because I said hitherto, <laughs> hitherto occupied by a green, putrid and semi-liquid mass, oh. partly formed by the outpourings of surrounding privies. Oh, God, so that's right in the middle of the city. Yeah. Did you say 100 yards? Oh, Ugh, my. Filth. But anyway, we've come a long way. That's right. Now, these days, you just have those old horse and carts yeah, walking down Bergstreet <laughs> shit everywhere. Past one of those. That's the worst thing you're going to smell in Melbourne. What a weird... That is weird that we've hung on to that, right? I think it's bad for the horse. I don't... Well, I just... Who's, who, who wants to get, go around Melbourne slowly? <laughs> like, that's all you get is, like, a really slow trip around Melbourne. 
Well, I think Jess Perkins' dad, because he wants to avoid, yeah, walking, avoid walking. Because look what it did to Birkin Wheels. If only they had a horse. They probably had a horse. We'll get into that, I imagine. <laughs> anyway, despite all that, uh, all the all the cash floating around from the gold made Melbourne a, a real destination for you know some of the world's biggest and brightest. Yeah, great. People that were cashed up and didn't want to spend money on plumbing the city. Yeah, Melbourne, for a little time there, Melbourne was like one of the big cultural centres of the world. It was it was a hectic hectic little time. and and But it probably wouldn't have got the title of the world's most livable city back then because of the shit everywhere. Probably not. <laughs> they, they did solve that problem uh, not too long after and, and uh, Victoria's capital was dubbed Marvellous Melbourne around that time. Ah, that's better. Better Ca- than Melbourne. Cash just flowing around and, and they were getting stuff done. So around that time, you know, Melbourne was starting to think um, we got to... Let's put ourselves on the map here. Let's do something big. We've got all this cash. Let's We've got all this cash. We've got a lot of shit. What What can we do? Let's do something with it. And that's where the idea of this big expedition came about. In in 1858, interestingly, Queensland wasn't even a thing yet. It was still New South Wales. Did you know that? New South Wales pretty much was all of Australia for a little while. And then slowly other states chipped away at it until it became the... Until it became... Pr- Pretty small. Oh yeah. wow! So it used to be all Victoria over the place. was in New South Wales, South Australia, Northern Territory. That was all New South Wales. Western Australia was there pretty early on, and Van Diemen's Land or and Tasmania was. But, but wow, nearly everything, everything was else was New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. Big New South Wales. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, that was that interesting. Yeah. What I'm going to try and do is. Um, Give you some real interesting tidbits. Hey, okay. please, that is please. The point of the show. Please so. do go on with those tidbits. Oh, Jess, yeah. you're gonna have to lower lower your brows because there's more coming. Okay. Okay, you I'll need, try. You, you can't take them any further higher than that. <laughs> you can't hold them up for an hour. It's it's ridiculous, Jess. You're being ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'm just sort of yeah, trying to trying to put you in the time there. Queensland wasn't even a thing. This is, we're going a little while back. Um, Melbourne was only 23 years old and Victoria only seven years old. So Victoria was New South Wales. Melbourne was in New South Wales initially. That was something I didn't know. I had no idea. My Mm. goodness. Uh, Australia was still 43 years away from federating, as you know, in 1901. That's right. (laughs) Good, good, good. Testing us. And uh, the vast majority of European settlements were on the coast, which is still the truth. Still the case. Yep. Um, the Phil- Philosophical Institute of Victoria was keen to set up an ex- expedition. The, so they were they were a big um, group of scientists and, and uh, just intelligent Melbournians, basically, and Victorians who wanted to make their mark. So they, they set up this idea, but they didn't have the heaps of money that was needed. Heaps of money was required. Heaps. Um, heaps. They didn't have enough. They didn't have heaps. Um, and in 1859, the Institute received a royal charter and became the Royal Society of Victoria, which still exists today. It's still got a building in the city somewhere. You can go visit if you want. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the royal Society of Victoria. A wealthy... RSV. Man. Yeah. A wealthy member of the public named Ambrose Kite Ooh. donated a thousand pounds. Now that is a name, Ambrose, Ambrose Kite. That's a real good Bring name. that back. And a thousand pounds. A thousand pounds is a heaps. lot of that's money. A heap yeah, that's 150 money. years ago. But it's not quite the heaps they needed. Um, after that, he said that only he would only be able to give the thousand dollars if if they were able to raise another two thousand from the public. Oh, that's like a, the original Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. basically. But if you get your stretch goal, I will c- contribute another thousand pounds. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what it was. Or, or like the Good Friday appeal, where they say we'll give you this money as long as you can get um, Agro and um, <laughs> <laughs> Phelpsy to do fifteen push-ups live on air. 
singing the national anthem backwards or something like that. I don't know if that's a thing. Sorry, but guys. They only did 14. We're going to keep the million dollars. Yeah. The hospital is going without Sorry, this year. Hospital. Sorry, kids. But it, it, it took Sorry, Blaine Phelpsy. It took a year. So it took a year to get that 2000 And how were they raising the money? What were they just Donation, on the street? So, yeah. Just was, rattle, I imagine they're rattling like coin boxes, but back in the day, people were just depositing like little gold nuggets that yeah. they just found. Little, little <laughs> just chucking it in the box. It's like, oh, it's 2,000 pounds worth of gold, which is a lot of gold. That is a lot of gold. So, but eventually it took them a year, but they got the 2,000. They did get the 2,000. So then so Ambrose they, has kicked in his 1,000. They gave him 3,000 altogether. Uh, and then with that 3000 they took the Kickstarter to the government and asked for an extra £6,000, which was approved by a guy who, in the government who was also on the committee. Oh, there you ah. go. Classic government right there. How handy. So they're up to, up to £9,000. That's a lot of money. Yeah, so they, they have got the heap of cash <laughs> they required. Um, I'm using a lot of uh, what I'm using here is Dave Phoenix's uh, history he wrote a brief history, which I'm, I'm leaning on pretty heavily here. I mean, it's a really entertaining story. So I've so far so <laughs> been able to, the right to suck all of that bit out of it <laughs> and uh, just give you the facts. I don't want to end it. Hey, we, need we need a bed of facts to get going. So they've got 9,000 pounds. And what is the point of the expert? Like, what are they? They want to put themselves on the map in what way? Well, at, at this stage, no one, there's no record of anyone crossing Australia from south to north coast. Oh, so they want to go all the way from the bottom up to the top. They want to be the, the first to do it. All right. Um, around the same time, South Australia are uh, organising their own one, so it becomes a bit of a race. They've got this uh, guy who's quite uh, experienced named John McDowell Stewart. Another He's solid a name. South Australian Scottishman, Scottishman, and he, he's been around, so he's, he's a pretty handy... Explorer. So he's a leader of the Adelaide party, and they're trying to go from Adelaide north, are they? Yeah, so there's a slightly different path, but they've still got... Um, got the same goal. Same goal, and it, they've, they've probably got different challenges. But anyway, oh, nice. I've got uh, I got this... Dave Phoenix gave a few different reasons for the expedition, which is what you were sort of asking. I was saying it's a scientific expedition that would, cover, uh, that would discover new species, new discoveries of gold and minerals, new and fertile lands for grazing, the extension of the boundaries of the small colony... The establishment of a telegraph line to London and the pride of being the first colony to unlock the secrets of the interior. Ooh, I, I love that. that. The pride. One, the it. pride. It's, like, it's all about pride. Unlock the secrets. But, but it's now, I think, like those other things were kind of just to sell it to people. Going, That's no. right. The government aren't, aren't going, yeah, it'd be pretty great for us if we did this. The government are like, oh, I'm not going to give you £6,000. Oh, how about a telegraph line to London? Yeah. Sold. Yeah. Yeah. We've got we the can, money. We might find gold and uh, you can have cows out here maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> you can call the queen. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. Secrets of the interior. Now that sounds like a little bonus. <laughs> and pride. Ooh. And pride for you and us because we funded it. So they were good to go, right? They were all good to go. All they need now is uh, a group of people and oh, so a leader. So the people raising the money are happy to get the money and plan the thing, but they don't want to do it themselves. Well, yeah, it's not it's, it's not that kind of thing where it's like, we did it. They, they go, we organised this. <laughs> it's our thing, you know? It's still mm. their thing to be proud of. Sure. And, and it's for the colony. It's for Victoria, this brand new colony, 23 years old. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. seven years old. Melbourne yeah, really close. Yeah. It's a really new colony, and it's just something to say, hey, look at us, Victoria, we're sick, or something like that. No, that is no, I reckon that's what they're yeah, so Definitely words. a direct quote. Yeah. <laughs> Look at so, us, we're sick. sick. So they put together an exploration committee, um, and that 
and their main goal at the start was to find a leader for the exhibition. Pretty important role, obviously. Yep, sure. Their initial choice was the South Australian Peter Edgerton Warburton, but they were also considering a guy called A.C. Gregory and another guy called William Blandowski. Oh, Blandowski. Oh. I wish they'd gone... Birkin Blandowski is Bill much better. Bill Blandowski. What a better ring to it. There, there was a debate that uh, went on for months over this, and... I want Blandowski, damn it! Yeah, I so wonder why. Like, why would you care so much who was going to... Not care so much, but, like, if if these people wanted to do it, why not just let them do it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why? Like, no, nah, I don't reckon he off. should. Yeah, yeah. off you go. Well, I think it's... The, so the leader's making all the decisions, and, it, yeah. and we'll find out as we go that it's pretty crucial who the leader is because they can make some really good decisions. They can. Potentially. Don't like the use, your use of the word can there. Could, they could. If Not they, promising if much they were for able our, to. Well, our faithful leader. I'm foreshadowing. Oh, fair enough. Ooh, so, a bit of sizzle. A bit of sizzle, yeah. So, because we haven't heard of the names AC Gregory, Blendowski, and that Adelaide guy before, am I to believe that they were not chosen? That's right. It was at some point... Um, at a meeting, at some point, exactly on the 20th of June, 1860, they had a vote where Robert O'Hara Burke came from the clouds, got 10 votes, Warburton 5, and, uh, yeah, no one else got any votes. Gregory oh. Blandowski out. So, yeah. so Burke, has, he just, I just kicked down the door and said, I'm here. Yeah. Burke in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know anything about this guy? Like, his history or anything? For some reason, I assumed, like, Burke Street was named after him, but now it's... I always thought as well, but it wasn't. It, it was, was there it. before him. So that's disappointing. Well, yeah. The, yeah there, there's been a few little things named after him, but, yeah, I always thought the same. Little Burke, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Burke Street spelled with an O, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Should, Dave, oh, yeah, you, he's B-U-R-K. Anytime yeah. we get to uh, Melbourne specific, you should probably talk to our um, interstate and international... Uh, All right, so Burke Street's the main street of... Pretty much the main street, like the mall uh, where trams can go and pedestrians can go, but people can't in Melbourne. <laughs> so it's one of those... It's, just, it's a... Did I say people can't? Or yeah. cars? I meant to people say... People can't go there. Pedestrians no, no, can. No. Pedestrians can, trans can, but uh, cars can't. You're an can't. animal pedestrian. It's one of our most famous Which streets. most of them are. Not many animals uh, have their car driving licenses. Well, possums. But anyway, another one for our overseas listeners. And um, yeah, so just a big street. I honestly also thought that it was named after him. Yeah, but you're right. The spelling's different. Yeah, it's with, it's with an O, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so... He he was an Irishman. He was born in Ireland is a country in <laughs> the northern hemisphere for yeah. our overseas listeners. <laughs> so 1821, right on. In uh, Galway County. That's where I'm from. Are you really from well, Galway? Well, not me personally, but my family, yeah. From yeah, Galway. cool. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a connection. Cool. You got any Burks in the family? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, you could have yes. been related to... Yes, then. You could have been family. related to the guy that Burke Street is not named after. Oh, so. Well, it could have been. Instead, yeah. I only have to claim bloody Kieran Perkins. <laughs> Is he actually related to you? Well, I claim he is. Oh, right on. <laughs> right uh, on. Right on. Kieran right Perkins, on. a champion Olympic Australian swimmer. Two-time gold medalist. If we could go back to Robert O'Hara. Sorry. So sorry. Me. Not Kieran, Kieran Perkins was not on this expedition. He, he but could, Robert O'Hara, Burke, was... He lived quite an interesting life. Just see if you can spot the one thing he hadn't done. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, there's probably a few <laughs> other things, but one key thing he hadn't yeah, done... He never moment. tried pineapple. <laughs> He d- never learned to true. walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. That's his problem. <laughs> you go on this walking expedition. Like, That'll be fine. Yeah, yeah we're right. Yeah. He went uh, straight from crawling to sitting and um, stayed in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> Just dragged himself around. <laughs> 
It was a long 6,000-mile journey from Melbourne to Queensland. <laughs> Robert O'Hara Burke crawling, refusing any help from the party. I'm sorry, Matt. Do go on. So he, he, at the age of 20, he joined the Austrian army as an Irishman. I'm I an Irishman. fully understand that. Okay. Um, a rite of passage, maybe, for that time. Who knows? So, but okay, so he's in the Austrian so army. The Austrian I can accept army that. So he was there for a few years, then uh, he headed home to Ireland in 1848. Uh, where he joined the police force. Okay, so he's in his 20s now, yep. Yep, and then um, in, five years later in 1853, he came over to Australia for the gold rush, mm-hmm. but he ended up becoming a cop uh, in the Victorian police force as well. So at this stage, got some good experience in the army and as a policeman. Mm-hmm. Perfect, good. Nothing about walking or exploring okay. so far. Uh, well, okay. So he's done... But no leadership e- skills. Leadership skills. Maybe. But, maybe. but no exploring. No exploring. At all. And it had, had not explored at all. I mean, Hang on. He got on a boat to Australia. That's, that's a bit exciting. But he's never crossed a, a continent as vast and desolate as Australia. He caught a, I think he caught a train once across <laughs> parts of Europe. I like this. He's working as a cop in Victoria, right? The Crimean War broke out. Sure. So he jumped on a ship. He's like, I want in. I want in. I, went, I, I care about the Crimea. Ju- jumped on a ship, headed back, but by the time he got there, it was too late. The war was over. The light brigade was charged. It was all done. So he jumped back on a ship, came back to Australia, and rejoined the police force. So he's just spent, what, I'm imagining it takes a long time to get the Quite Crimea... Then maybe he spent the nine months on a ship. So frustrating. Going there and back. So frustrating. He didn't get to kill anyone. <laughs> God, what a waste what a of real time. Bu- what a bummer. What yeah. a bummer. No one was murdered by Robert O'Hara Burke. So he came back, came back to Victoria, rejoined the police force, quickly rose through the ranks. So like Jess said, he, he showed some sort of leadership skills. But it was, at the time, you know, it was a quickly growing population. So they just needed yeah. people. They, they, they needed, needed cops. And he, he was around the Castlemaine district, uh, country Victoria. Oh. And then in 1860s, when he took leave to lead the exploration. He just took so leave. Did they put an ad out or something? Is that how he... And he just applied and... I think that's basically how it was. He just put it on Gumtree. He, he w- <laughs> yeah, he on was... A Gumtree. <laughs> yeah, they actually nailed it to A Gumtree. <laughs> but what about the other guys? Were they more qualified? Yes. Great. <laughs> Great. So they're going, what the fuck? You've just chosen some Irish cop. So that's yeah, that's Burke. He he was first in charge. Second in charge was a man named George James Landells. Oh, Landells. Not Wills. Oh, no, no, Wills. Oh, we'll get to Wills, will Wills we? Wills wasn't second in charge. No. Okay, was, okay. So uh, uh, James Landell, second. George James. George James. George, George James Landells. He was born in Barbados. Ooh, oh, exotic. exotic. Yeah, and his family lived. Um, they moved around a bit in Barbados, Jamaica, Gambia, and England. Um, before he well, moved, well, I don't know if anyone knows geography, but there's a long distance between Jamaica and Gambia, which is in Western Africa. Yeah, that <laughs> it's is a, a big long jump. way. And then up to England, okay. Then up to England, um, and then to India in 1842. Well, well, he, he, he's travelled a lot, but has he explored before? Uh, well, his his big thing was um, because th- they made a decision um, with this exploration that because they were going through some pretty full-on desert terrain, well, they thought it was. They didn't know a lot about it. They were going to bring in camels, so they brought... And uh, That worked out well, didn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it was important because the, uh, they definitely did help. The camels did help them get through some um, deserty places. That's right. Well, but, Like the desert. But <laughs> if people don't know, Australia has the largest population of feral camels 
in the entire world. Yeah, I, I, I haven't checked. I wonder if any of them come back from that. I think they ended up eating most of them. I don't know if they oh, just okay, let right, any right. of them go free. So later on, they brought in more camels. Because now there's, uh, they had to have a big cull because there was uh, close to a million. Really? A million camels in the middle of Australia. I don't think I've ever seen a camel. And they would... You've never seen a camel? I'm sure I have. In fact, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, I have, because there's one at Chesterfield Farm. Anyway. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> I went right there on. last year as an adult. <laughs> but they've brought in some camels. Good. Um, but but he was the man who was sort of in charge of that. He was sent out to India to purchase the camel. Oh, he's camel man. He's he's the camel man, and that's kind of why he was chosen to be second in charge, is because his, uh, his expertise with the camels, which was seen as a real, a real key point in the success or potential success of this right on. expedition right on. Right on, Camel You're Man. loving right on today. Right on, Camel Man. Like, every time you say it, Matt just lights up like a little, like he's so no, I'm excited. Gonna, I'm going to say it a lot more now. Right on. Right on. I'm okay. echoing it every time you say it, yeah. if you've noticed. Okay, so we've got a second in command. Yep. That's um, who I see, yep. <laughs> so the vice he, captain. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was hailed for his travels through the very unsettled lands. Uh, by the English Scindian newspaper, Scindian. Let's say Scindian. And similarly lauded in Melbourne where the exotic animals caused a sensation. This is this is a quote from our man... Um, David Phoenix. David Phoenix. Bloody hell, you're a good You're on monarchy. today, yeah. Well done. I'm a big fan of the Dave Phoenix fan. Uh, apparently when the camels were brought to Melbourne, they were paraded through the streets. Oh, that and is And they, they caused a real sensation, as did their handlers who have been identified variously as Indians, Sepoys, and Malays. Um, Sepoys being Indians serving in the British Army. Is Sepoys right? Bloody hell, this is scratchy, but... <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> but th- those those handlers, that small group of handlers, which was about five dudes, I think, three, four, five dudes. Yep. It's not that clear. It's so funny that they were just not seen as being important enough to document Wow. Even where they're from. So there's a lot of info about the but, camels. But they were the people who were handling the camels. Like, yeah. If it wasn't for them, the camels, I don't know, would have gone rogue or something. Rogue camels. Which they did later. Oh, that, exactly. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. did not work out well for the middle of Australia. If only we'd paid more attention to these handlers. To our, to our Sapoy slash Malaysian slash. Who do you think was third in charge? Is it Wills? It's got to be Wills. Yeah. All right. Number three. And do you, you, know, you guys know Wills' first name? I do because it is so ridiculous that it's one of those things that it's... Can it be real? I think that his name is William Wills. No. Yeah, William Wills. It is. William John Wills. Because so uh, I was thinking John, so maybe... Yeah, maybe I'd Willie Willie Wills. Willie Wills. Which is very similar to a, a character Jonathan Schuster plays, Willie Wheels. Have you ever seen that? No, I have not seen that. Melbourne oh. comedian Jonathan Schuster. The way, there you go. Special, I guess. <laughs> anyway, Willie Wills uh, <laughs> was born around 1834. I love old... Oh, my God. Old records. No, this is your thing. <laughs> when people don't know when people are born, it is fascinating. Yeah. It's like a, a whole year. You couldn't even get it down to one whole year. Somewhere Especially someone who's quite important. Yeah, that's right. Talked about. Someone who was third in command. So he was born in Devon in England. Uh, and his family moved to Australia uh, in 1853. And at first, he assisted at his father's practice in Ballarat before studying, surveying, and becoming an assistant at the Astronomical and Magnetical Observatories at Melbourne under Ooh. Professor G.B. Newmayer. Wow, so he's got some uh, experience being an assistant. But, but he's going to be the in, third in, assistant. In, in a lot of cool fields as well there. So, so he was very good at surveying, which was... 
a very important. He was he was actually very handy. So second and third in charge. Probably more qualified than number one. Well, definitely very handy at least. Okay. Have, have okay. On on board. Um. But you know what? I reckon Burke just had uh, he had the confidence. You know, he had that. Yeah. That spark, he, stage presence. That's well, no. I think that from a bunch of different um, accounts that I've read, they do talk about that. Very charismatic. Yeah, I was going to say charisma. Yeah, it's probably a probably attractive man. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to make that assumption. Big beard, you know. Bit of a ladies' man. Yeah. Bit of a. Don't worry, ladies. I'll be back in the summer. Yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> Just wait for me. <laughs> wait right here. Sorry, I got to go walk through the desert. Bye. Bye. What's that new phrase you've brought out? Right on. Right on. Right on. Oh, indeed. Uh, on the 20th <laughs> of August, 1860, is go time. That, it's go time and show time? Go time and show time. Yeah, that's right. Um, they assembled in Royal Park, Melbourne, in Carlton. Um, and the, the men there were instructed on rifle shooting and caring for camels. There's two things you need to know, boys. Do so we need to know how to uh, read a map? Nah, just care for nah. this camel. And shoot a gun in case you don't, don't care for the camel. I, I love how it's just like on the day. We're about yeah. to go before we do. Here's yeah. A, here's, here's a couple a of tips. Two-hour crash course. Yeah, it's crazy. It feels to, like... It's so underprepared. I mean, it's been go- they've, they've been raising money for years and they haven't trained it. Anyway. Feels, it's, it just feels like... You know that people talk about when things are organised by committee? They're always yeah. a mess, and that is what this feels like. It's a big old mess. Big old party planning committee. So uh, along with, so the the dudes are getting trained, right? And there's also up to twenty tons of stores amassed. Twenty tons to bring with them. They're carrying twenty tons. Oh my god! Them. It's not a nice, lean, quick exploration up the up the uh, centre of Australia. Twenty that tons, and who's pulling that? Wills. Camels and heaps of horses. It's on the back so of wheels. Tw- what? So th- there was something around 20, 20 odd horses, twenty six camels, and six wagons. Wow. Um, what? <laughs> I think you need supplies. They're going to walk a long way. That's okay. Yeah. Th- I-, I support this. I support this motion. Twenty tons. Okay. I reckon you just take a couple less dudes. Anyway, look. Just go solo. Look, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course. And so easy for us to that say may that not now. Have isn't even it? helped, but. On on that afternoon before setting off, Burke fired a couple of his men for being drunk, <laughs> and replacements were hired on the spot. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, are you drunk? You're fired. Hey, are you not drunk? You're hired. You're in. <laughs> oh man, say bye to your mum. <laughs> yeah, just so. We're loose. going. I just I I couldn't believe that. Wow. Do you know anything about camels? Well, neither did these guys. Let's yeah, go. That's yeah. fine. That's right. No well, I mean, they've done the crash course, but we can just teach yeah. you as we walk. We'll do it as we go. It's fine. Really, it was only a fifteen-minute presentation. Yeah. <laughs> these Malayan slash Indian sap boy men, whatever they are, yeah. I haven't taken the time to learn their names. <laughs> They'll tell you how to clean up the camel shit. All right. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is, doesn't it? That just sounds seems so bizarre to me. Get in the wagon. Well, somewhere I read online. They brought enough food to last for two years. Oh, wow. Which they, is way longer than they expected. What, how long do they yeah. think it's going to take? They, they were thinking months, not years. Oh, wow, okay. So that's good. That's good. I think that's May, good. I think may, maybe up to a year. So they had t- twice as much as what they probably thought. They did 80 pairs of shoes. What? Um, so about, I think that's about four per man. Wow. Uh, 20 camp beds, 30 cabbage tree hats, 57 buckets. <laughs> And a partridge in a <laughs> Brandy, preserved fruit, vegetables, and firearms. God, they're living like kings. 
80 well, pairs of shoes. And they're also... so this They're not like... It's not worse like, than women. No. <laughs> 80 pairs. It's not like Paris Hilton's collection, though. It's, yeah. it's probably like all you work boots. are worse than women. <laughs> I, it's, it's okay that I said it. Yeah. It's okay. it's okay. They said it in 1850. Yeah. But, um, and I'm and, being ironic. And they also... One other thing that was a bit different for the time, they would normally bring um, a lot of their food as living livestock. Which is, I think, what livestock normally is living. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> might be one of the fundamental... Um, it's in the name. Livestock. Yeah, oh, wasn't goodness. even what I... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in, uh, they decided instead to bring try out dried meat. So, that's why a lot of the stuff they were... Like, livestock can walk itself, which yeah, is a, yeah. a pro. Sadly, salted beef cannot walk yeah, far so, at all. So that was... Um, but neither could Burke. <laughs> <laughs> well, he never learned. I, he never I never learned read anything about Burke walking. I have 80 <laughs> pairs of shoes for some reason. <laughs> I put them on my hands and crawl. <laughs> I'm imagining somebody, like one of the Malay guys, just dragging him. Like a Sherpa. <laughs> a Sherpa. Everyone grab Is a leg a and an arm. Put, <laughs> We're going to swing Come on, guys. There. Come on. It's a team effort. Put yeah. Burke in his sack. <laughs> Start the dragging process. <laughs> it's time to a camel and whip it. <laughs> and he's still just like shouting out orders. Turn left. Turn left. I said left. Left. God damn it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. All right. So, so they set off. All right. They fired a couple of guys, got more guys on, done a quick training. They set off in the afternoon, right? So it's not in the it's not a whole day of travel, but they set off in the afternoon. Where do you reckon they camp? Remembering they left from Carlton, they're um, heading to the north of Australia. How far is the journey supposed to be? There and back, I think it's five thousand miles or kilom. It would be miles. Miles it would be miles. They stopped in Fitzroy. <laughs> Or Carlton North. How far? <laughs> how far so they, and they, they left in the a little, They did a little bit better than that, but not heaps better. They they camped that night 
in Essendon. Oh my god! How many kilometres? Which is where what? I now live. Yeah, and it's it's a, a fifteen minute bike ride. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! And that's day I'm, I'm, one. I mean, they're a little bit further down the road. Say so, say half an hour bike ride, maybe. But they've they've taken. Horses and camels, and they've taken a whole day to do it. Well, a whole afternoon. Afternoon. I love that yeah. as well, that they're like, should we head off? Yeah, no, we'll head off to Zabo. Because it, w- it was a huge After thing. Lunch. They had a huge send-off. Everyone, the, the majority of Victoria rocked up to the send-off. So and you know what's great? People then would have gone home, and then they could have, like, passed them Yeah, they're walking <laughs> camping. with them. <laughs> where <laughs> you, oh, there they are. Where you guys off? Oh, yeah, we actually live in Essendon. Yeah. Oh, hey, we saw you just before. Yeah. <laughs> You're just getting here now. Oh, shit. All right. Uh, good on you. No, you're all right. Well, you know. Looks like I had to fire a couple of guys, all right? Yeah. Give me some credit. Um, I got dragged here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Speak, speaking of, uh, our man Dave Phoenix uh, said that uh, Burke's leadership was pretty full on and uh, he continued to alter his personnel, um, losing one of the Sepoys two days out of Melbourne. He hired a cook. Great, so he just left the Sepoy, who's probably never been to this country before, in the middle of Victoria. <laughs> gone, see you, mate. Oh, my yeah, God. That's ridiculous. He knows probably <laughs> little no English. English. Yeah. He's lost his camel friends. Oh, my God. That's, oh, yeah. that's awful. Good on you, Burke. Doing great. And then he, he hired a cook at Mia Mia, just on a whim. Someone, oh, we, oh, we should have got a cook, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, hang on, we need but to eat. Did they think this through at all? It doesn't feel like it, does it? Then they uh, he hired a bushman with exploring experience. A there, we go. there we go. Finally. And then uh, dismissed four more men at Swan Hill. Oh, my God. Which is in the, not even the left Victoria yet. So yeah. they're still in the, the first state, and they're supposed to get to a third. Yeah, that's right. So they've and already back again. And back again. And they've already lost, f- what, Five men at least at this stage, plus the two they fired on day one. So seven of the original crew are gone, but they've gained a bushman and a chef. But don't worry, uh, he replaced those four men with another four randoms, <laughs> including a sailor named Charlie Gray. Who's useless on a land. Sailor. <laughs> they got a sailor. They're like, we're going on this inland expedition. He's like, yeah, this is my forte. I know a lot about land. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so uh, it, there was a lot of comings and goings from the crew. Like, you, there was, was a lot of, oh, and who are you sort of, like, how weird would that be? You wake up every morning and go, sorry, were you part of the yeah. group last night? Who's the new guy? What happened to Doug? <laughs> sorry, left him, left him at Swan I feel Hill. like they're underprepared, but they have too many, like, they've got way too many shoes and yeah. too much food and too... I like also under wh- and over prepared what if you at the fire, same time. What if you fire someone and they're a size seven, and then you hire a size eleven? That is really suddenly they've got no shoes. Yeah, that that was the kind of thing. It was like, um, do you have any experience? Oh, not really. What shoe size are you? Seven, perfect. You're perfect. In. <laughs> you're in. You're in. Yeah, have a pair of shoes. So so remembering these key dates because I won't. The twentieth of August is when they set off. Yep, I wrote that down. Yep. The 11th of September is when they got to the Murray, the border. Okay. And, um, so it's taken them... A couple of weeks. And, and they set off... Three, three weeks. weeks. Three weeks to get to the border of the first state. Okay. And they, they, from there, they set off into uh, New South Wales, right? obviously. <laughs> yeah. And from there, they uh, turned left <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. So I wouldn't they, be surprised if they accidentally did that. Yeah. They are... Extremely underprepared. Okay, so they're in New South Wales now. Uh, yeah, so uh, they're in New South Wales now, and uh, there have been further personnel changes. Um, second in charge is now uh, William John Wills. What happened to the Barbados guy? Uh, there was George. there was an incident um, oh. when looking to cross uh, the river. Uh, our man 
<laughs> from Barbados. George who, James Landau, the camel man. He's the camel man. He said the best way to get uh, the camels across uh, the river is uh, via some sort of a punt. Like, so, a, like a, a rafty type a thing? A raft type thing. And Burke said, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, oh. hold on. What was Burke's idea? Uh, let's hear what the camel man has to say. No. <laughs> we'll do this. What, what did he think? He said, um, Wills, you're swimming him across. <laughs> Willie, we need you. Well, oh, uh, Willie boy. And his reasoning was that it was, they, it was going to take too long to find the punts. They tried briefly sure. and couldn't do it quickly. So he's like, "No, we just have to forge on. Let's go." And what does the sailor have to say about all this? <laughs> Charlie Gray's like, "Oh, great! I can sail a camel." No, nah. well, Wills, swim him. I can sail a camel. That's amazing. I can sail a boat. I can sail a camel. <laughs> I can sail anything. So yeah, so so he was he 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 quit, he cracked it. He cracked it and quit. Um, and Burke uh, gave Willie Wills... What, as a reward for swimming with the camels? He, he gave him second in charge. And did as, did as the reward. camels make it across? They made it. But yeah, he's like, they got are you necks. sure you want to get them knackered before we even get to the desert? Like doing this thing that they're not used to doing, using weird muscles? And he was like, oh, He's like, yes. Yes. I'm Burke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Burke, hear me roar. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty much he said, he said, I'm Burke. So he's like, who's in charge here, hey? Mm. They don't call this the Burke and Landell expedition. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off back to Barbados. Yeah, so, um, okay, so skip me ahead a little. Uh, Landell's is gone, um, and they've started working their way up through New South Wales. It's been about two months since we left Melbourne, and they've got to Menindee. Um, that same journey uh, at, the, at that time would take the mail coach a fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, how long did it take Burke and Wills? Two months. About two months. <laughs> they should have just got on the mail car. <laughs> Am I to believe that they're going like on this big journey with camels, all this stuff, and they've just every couple of weeks they see the mail cart just go past <laughs> and like, hey guys, <laughs> yeah, ding ding, ding. Uh, any mail for Burke? <laughs> yeah, got a couple of letters. Some cookies from your wife. Thank you. And they just keep going back and forth. Oh, part yeah, of me hates these assholes. Oh, <laughs> what? Why did they not just start from Menindee on, on the oh my on a coach? Like they had a big parade to set off these guys. But every morning, the, these postal workers are getting nothing. No parades for them. <laughs> oh, that oh is God. so funny to imagine. Just them, ding ding. Yeah, hey guys. You just feel like it would feel like they're going past every couple of hours to you. You're like, oh, for fuck's oh. sake, there they go. So, so they got to Menindee, and beyond there, it was pretty much unknown territory to Europeans. They'd sort of pushed their knowledge. Um, Europeans had pushed their knowledge up to Menindee in New South Wales, but beyond there. So, was this sort of halfway-ish? Um, probably l- not quite a third. Of the <laughs> oh, God. Oh. oh, Burke. Anyway. So there's still a long way to go, but it, he's stunt, he's an impatient man. He wants to just get it done, and he's also in the back of his mind. He's always thinking about this man Stuart. Oh yeah, because he's racing against the Adelaide Scot- Scotsman. Yeah, that's I'd right. Forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. So he's going. We can't afford to be too slow, even though he's being super slow. He's like, we're, we're going to have to pick up the pace from here, and that's when he decided to break the group into two, and that was against the orders of the committee who were funding the whole thing. Um, well, I'm, I'm bet they're thinking that leader was a good choice. Good choice. He's not even listening to us anymore. So when they the, when they first split the party, 
um, at Menindee. They they split it into uh, one group, which was the fittest seven men that Burke found to be the fittest seven men. I don't know <laughs> Imagine what kind the, of the rigorous test that they doing. figured that out. Ten star jumps, go. He also uh, picked the fittest animals. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this camel star jumps. Virile, um, <laughs> yes, camel star <laughs> jumps. And then, and only a fraction of the supply. So they were they became a quite a lean operation now. Um, Burke told the others that he would send for them later. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to go like, Burke told the others to fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> you piss off. You, you and your, your Barbados mate can fuck off. <laughs> we so, don't need you. It was about ten, about 10 days later he did send for them. Um, Actually, we need you. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you guys uh, head on up now. We are ready for you. <laughs> <You're> re- <laughs> um, it's like a job interview. Uh, Burke will see you now. That, uh, <laughs> about that time he sent the new third in charge, William Wright, back to Menindee to collect the others and meet Burke at the depot, um, which they were going to create at Cooper Creek. Right on. So, so the that, big that, supply area. That's right. So they moved up to Cooper Creek, which is like their, it's the the big famous historical base that they made for themselves. So so at this stage, you got the seven guys up. One one of those is heading back to tell the bigger group with all the animals and supplies to start heading up. Great. So you really could have just gone with the whole group, but, but instead, he's the fittest seven men will forge ahead. Then six of us will wait here while one has to go back tell you to do the journey that you could have done the whole time and then we'll continue on. Yeah, that's it's kind of it. so dumb. Oh, that's just... I'm sure that there's... And the whole time the mail coach it, is right? still <laughs> zooming up and down. <laughs> just zooming. Beep, beep. <laughs> um, in November 1860, about three months after leaving Melbourne, Burke and the other men that he still had with him established a depot at Camp 63, um, but that... that Struggled, so they made another one at Camp 65, which is the famous one, which was just inside the Queensland border. So they'd made a little bit of ground in those 10 days. With and the, how many of them are at this Camp So 65? this was the six of them with the one guy sent back yep. to send the message. Um, uh, Queensland has, was now a thing. It had only just uh, became a thing the year before. A state, or a, no, a colony at that stage. It wasn't a state as yet. Sure. And uh, Burke was expecting the other half of the party to meet them at any time from then. Um, but after waiting for a further 10 days, he decided, uh, what, what's Burke's thing? You know, when he has a brainwave, it seems to be one main thing. And that is to split the party once more. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, Six is too many. They're just yeah. wasting so much time just sitting around waiting for 10 days. Yeah, I, they well they wanted the supplies. So if the supplies could get there, but so they they have no idea what went wrong. It turned out they were having troubles. Um, the big party, but um, not just physical troubles, but also like organisation. There was one guy who um, he basically w- demanded that his family get put on a train to Adelaide. <laughs> And he wouldn't leave until <laughs> there were all these. He's holding and the supplies w- hostage. And, waited, and he wanted a pay rise, I think. And he, what? And, it, and, and it, I was like, a flight to Cuba. <laughs> and a mango. And yeah, and I love mangoes. And uh, yeah, and, 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 so and they waited for a couple of months. So um, so they, they're, they're making some ground now. They're sort of. They're losing that huge thing they started with at the start. Maybe, maybe that could have started smaller. I reckon. So, how many are there now? They've, they've split so they're, again. They're split again. Now it's just the four of them. It's just four. So we've got. So yeah, this breakaway group was Burke, Wills, uh, Charlie Gray, 
Who was our sailor? He's our sailor and John King. So they're the four, and they've gone. Uh, what? And who's I that know man? What the plan who's was? John, John, John Kingy, a twenty-one-year-old Irishman. Great, yeah. And he was put in charge of the camels because oh. we lost the camel guy. Oh, so he's in charge of. So he's in charge of camels. He's new camel man. And, and he's no camel experience. He's young and Irish. Uh, although he didn't know much about camels. <laughs> <laughs> Please finish this sentence. He did speak the language of the handlers. Oh, so what? He, he Which could he could work as in. Well, they assumed he could. Yeah, exactly. So he. <laughs> I think but they, why would an, a twenty-one-year-old Irish kid be able to speak? He he came over on the boat um, with uh, <gasps> oh. Landells. So he. Oh. He's a young guy. He's been through India, and he he's been hanging out with these guys for a while. Interesting. So I honestly thought you were going to say uh, that John King could speak the language of the camels. Yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> 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 they re- they really they groan a lot. They I wish you could la- see your face <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> this camel is tired. <laughs> <laughs> also, he's hungry. <laughs> that river really hurt my feet. <laughs> I miss James Landell. <laughs> I speak the language of the camel. So yeah, that that, that was he, he could speak. So he was basically able to go pass on messages from Burke to the handlers and back again. Yeah. Okay. So the, are the handlers still coming with the, the four? handlers? I think they've gone ahead. Sands Sepoys. Sure. Um, Sepoy's a fun word too, by the way. It is. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it right. These oh. poor bastards have done so much work to get this anywhere near no successful. Credit. No names, just the Sepoys. Not even 100% sure how many of them. One of them is in country Victoria going, how what the hell do I get yeah, home? That's outrageous. Um, so on the 16th of December, 1860, um, they set off from the depot at Cooper Creek for the Gulf of Carpentaria, which is the... The end game. That's the goal uh, on the northern coast. Burke told the four men uh, they were leaving at the depot to wait for three months. Wills quietly went over to him and said, "Better make that four months." <laughs> I don't trust this guy. Well, he, he pretty much is like, "I've I've kind of looked at this. Four months is more likely. Three months we, we'd be very lucky. Nothing goes wrong. We make it back in three months. More likely four months." And what what do they say after four months? What do they do? Assume we're dead and go home. Pretty much assume we're dead, or <gasps> we've or we've gone to a Queensland settlement, <laughs> and we set up new lives. Yeah, exactly. As cane farmers. What? Mm-hmm. Assume we're dead. Like, so guys, just sit here for three months. If we don't come back, just head home. Okay, and, bye. And then Will's just like, <laughs> make it fun. Love you, bye. <laughs> but they they definitely they had full confidence, especially Burke. He he didn't too much confidence. Yeah, he didn't he think has. failure was. Even a possibility. So he wasn't like he's like if, he's listening to he's listening to Eight Mile on repeat. Success yeah. is my only option. Yeah. Failure's not. And Will was just like, yeah, four months. Yeah, mum spaghetti's on his sweater. Yeah, already. all over. Yeah. Um. They. <laughs> so news got got better for a little while. They found the going easier than anticipated heading north. And Burke's pre- feeling pretty arrogant at this time. Yeah. I reckon he's. Cock of the walk, of baby. Well, not of the walk, guy. obviously, but he's cock of the crawl. <laughs> That's right. He's still crawling. Cock of the drag. Um, and l- luckily for us, Wills took extensive notes through this whole time. So we've got we've got notes directly from Willie Wills. So this is this is from Wills' personal uh, dear diary. <laughs> he said, We took a day of rest on Grays Creek to celebrate Christmas. This was doubly pleasant as we had never, in our most sanguine, which also means optimistic, um, 
<laughs> moments. We just looked that up. Anticipated finding such a delightful oasis in the desert. Our camp was really an agreeable place, for we had all the advantages of food and water, attending a position of a large creek or river, and were at the same time free from the annoyance of the numberless ants, flies, and mosquitoes. This is in paradise. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry yeah, Christmas. The Christmas miracle. So things were going great. Things were going real good. Burke was feeling real, real good. And they lived happily ever <laughs> after. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. <laughs> right, Matt? Um, Matt? It got harder from there. Oh. No. Sorry about that. The camels really struggled because uh, they'd taken way longer than expected. So they were getting there during wet season, <laughs> which in, in the tropical north Burke's is like, not good. John music. King. Tell his camels to suck it up. That's <laughs> where so Charlie Gray's sailing experience came into its own. <laughs> He's sailing a camel through the wet swamp. <laughs> yeah, just through the mud and muck. Um, so, yeah, the wet season broke, and as they were approaching the gulf, uh, it made things incredibly tough. It was pretty much just being bogged. Um, Burke and Wills... <laughs> Keep digging got, the camels I out. got my camel bogged. <laughs> Burke uh, made a decision. Of uh, course he did. What do you reckon that decision Split the party. Split the party. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he did. I'm going to take the fittest camel and go on alone. <laughs> so he split it just to him and Wills. Oh, oh And here, herein lies the Burke and Wills. Yeah. And he left uh, King and Grey behind and they forged on. But it was only 20 or so miles to go to the coast. Oh, but that's close. Yeah, so they were really close. But it was getting so wet and so swampy and... and yeah. That... Uh, don't tell me they gave up 20 miles to go. No, that, that, that was when they split. So they, okay. they kept going 20 miles in. Um, and it, with approximately five miles oh. to go... Did they know that it was about Yeah, that? they could they could just about see the coast. They could The water was now becoming salty. Oh, so they could taste the salt. So they could taste it. They were, they were so close they could taste it. They so could literally taste it. Wow. I'm so close I can taste it. Um, oh. But there they had to turn back. They just couldn't... They couldn't go on any further... Um, I honestly thought Burke was going to split the party. <laughs> oh man, that would have been too good. So they still they count that as making it. So they still oh. see it as a success. I reckon you've got to go in, have a naked dip in the ocean, and then turn around for it to count. The, I I kind of agree that you have to see sand. You want sand between your toes. Yeah, I reckon. Um, you gotta have that. And seat. your eightieth pair of shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an eightieth pair of shoes full of sand. They put, took a pair of thongs in there. Yeah, very good. So this this at this point at their very peak. Five miles from the coast, they were two months away from when they'd left um, the depot. Oh, so it's exactly halfway because they said wait four months, right? Yeah, Burke said three months, so Burke was yeah Burke was being optimistic, but yeah, they said four months, so it was about halfway. Unfortunately, Will's is p- feeling pretty smug, going, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry. I told him four. Told him four. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, though, they'd gone through two thirds of the supplies. Okay. From there, they dumped the non-essential items. And started Sorry, the return journey. What non-essential <laughs> items are you carrying? What are they you were carrying like measuring equipment and um, different sort of like w- wheels of scientific equipment. He's like, oh, I don't need my Xbox. Yeah, this thing. There's just like huge, huge bits of metal. Uh, I think that they were bringing still some pretty heavy things. So they um, and around this point, um, when they got back to the guys, so they 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 met back with King and Gray, fifteen miles back. Um, Wills wrote this note in his journal in March 1861. He said, I found Gray behind a tree eating skill... skillidgily. 
<laughs> that, does that mean eating with skill? <laughs> no. I think it's a it's a thing called skilligly. Oh, right, I thought it was that he was eating skilligly. <laughs> so he was eating some of the supplies. He found Gray behind a tree eating skilligly. That's probably not how it's pronounced. He explained that he was suffering from dysentery, and that he had taken the flour. It was a kind of flour without leave. So oh, so without permission, he'd gone into the he'd supplies. He'd gone into the supplies and was eating I'm sick, flour. but I'm eating... Yeah, I've got dysentery. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Will sent him to report himself to Mr. Burke oh, and, and no. moved on. Go and tell Burke what you've done. Yeah, basically. Oh. Um, and then, then Will says, He, having got King to tell Mr. Burke for him, was called up and received a good thrashing. There is no knowing to what extent he has been robbing us. Many things have been found to run unaccountably short. So, so, hold on, there's four of them. Yeah. The second in command has found the sailor going, eating too much. And then, I liked Charlie. So, and then, this, and then this, he says, go tell number one. And then the sailor's got John King to tell the boss. Surely you're going to run into him. There's only four people at the yeah. whole fucking camp. They're all them. in the same room at yeah, the start. Exactly. They're sharing that's a tent. It. That's it. Oh, just King, but can you go tell... Go I, back? Oh I'm kind God. of with you on this a bit, Jess, because it feels like... Wills is the one writing this, and it feels a little scapegoaty. But we'll, I'll, I'll, go, I'll come back to that in a second. So he's given him a beating. Yeah. He's given it, and a and uh, different reports say to different levels. Some say to within an inch of his life, and some say you know just a pretty good, just a pretty good thrashing. You know? um, oh so boy. around this time again, one of the one by one, um, the camels grew weak and were abandoned. So some of them were abandoned, apparently. So maybe... That doesn't sound good for them. No. I don't think they're going, yeah, let's bone and... Yeah, let's, <laughs> go, let's go... Hey, let's go to the middle of Australia yeah. and procreate a million times. Yeah. So they're either abandoned or killed for their meat. Um, in April, I haven't mentioned this guy yet, but Burke's favourite horse, Billy, uh, they had to kill as well. So it was pretty pretty tough. Oh, Billy Burke. Uh, and according to Wills, uh, it was a good healthy meat without... An ounce of fat. Oh, they ate his pet they, horse. Yeah, they ate the horse. Well, you know, tough times. They had no supplies left. You do what you got to do. Um, and this left them down to only so. two camels between the four men, right? So to me, that's a key fact here. Yeah. So they're rotating between getting uh, a ride, obviously, or drag. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now here's here's a fact. Um, that no one has disputed. I'm the, I'm like I'm making trouble here. But on, on the morning of the 16th of April, 1861, they found Gray dead in his swag. They spent the day digging a shallow grave for him. Okay, so this guy Gray is now dead. All we know is that Wills says he stole some flour and that Burke bashed him. I'm thinking mm. they've gone two camels. Four guys. Oh, God. Oh, that's not enough camels. Who do we... Gray's the old guy. Let's top him. And then I'll just backtape my journal saying, oh, we found he's stolen some stuff. You know? What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm with you. 100%. I reckon Gray was a good guy. I reckon he was the best. He seems I like, like he's, Charlie. He's my favourite guy in the story he's so far. He's my favourite guy. He's Burke, a sailor. Burke's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Burke's a real jerk. <laughs> Burke the jerk. <laughs> They're definitely calling that behind his back. <laughs> Burke, you jerk. That, that's another an, another key thing that'll come back to haunt them a little bit is that they spent a day digging a shallow grave. So they spent a whole day in the middle of nowhere. Like They just, just don't move fast, him. do they? They just... just it's a shallow some, grave. Chuck some leaves on him and move on. 
Come on, that's like a so that's a whole other day of food you got to oh. eat. It just it does doesn't make a lot Excuse of sense. Gives me the shits these guys. Oh, should have <laughs> eaten. They should have eaten him. So mad at them. Yeah, it just feels like everything they do. It oh. would be the hardest movie to watch. <laughs> no, no. Oh, for no, fuck's sake. What are you doing? What are Mate, you doing? what are you doing? Come on. And he's not even like a lovable idiot. He's just an idiot. Oh. I'm sorry, but do I, go on. I reckon, you know, depending on the portrayal, he was charismatic. He may may well have been lovable. Yeah, I mean, um, Heath Ledger made Ned Kelly seem lovable, so. Totally. Yeah. I was picturing Heath Ledger in the role. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. And then I remembered that he's Difficult dead. now, of course. <laughs> um, Difficult, not impossible. It reminded me of the scene in Ned Kelly Hologram. when they ate one of the horses. Oh. We were talking about that before. You said they, they ate the horse. I was like, ah, what happened to Ned Kelly? He, prob- he pretty much wouldn't have had to change the character either. Bearded Irishman. Yeah, done. Let's Bit of a jerk. <laughs> maybe, we could, maybe we could recut Ned Kelly to be the Burke and Will story. Yeah, I reckon. Oh. Orlando Bloom is Wills. <laughs> that works. He's yeah. got a bit of the Wills about him. Yeah. So we're down to three now. We're down to three in this um, Burke, Wills and group. King. King. Burke, Wills and King. The three men uh, rotated between the two camels, so they were still getting a bit of a rest. Only one of them um, had to be, you know, walk or dragged along at a time. Uh, when they, so they're, they're heading back to the depot, right? Burke not only expected to be greeted by the group he'd left behind, uh, led by a man named William but Bray. he thinks the that they've left a month ago, right? He also, yeah. Well, no, he 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 just thinks they'll they'll have waited because I know it's what me. I, I know what I said. Yeah, but yeah. it's wait. me, Burke. So, <laughs> they wait for Burke. That's a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so they wait for Burke. <laughs> he's expecting them to be there. So he's he's not only expecting him to be there; he's expecting to get a, a hero's greeting because he oh, just he just he just clocked it. He just seen the north. Oh, so he's walking in with his hands raised in yeah. the air. Oh. He's doing like Got it. queen waves off the side of the camel. He's expecting to go in and they're going to be like, where's, where's Charlie? Don't worry about that. We made it. Yeah. Well, just nearly. I was five miles out. But yeah. anyway. Details. I could, details. I could smell the ocean, I think. So, so he, he's not only expecting the, the small group that he left there, but he's also expecting everyone else to oh, now be yeah. there. Because oh, they had right. so much time. As, as it turned out, on the evening of the 21st of April, 1861, when they arrived, was, it was just over four months after they left. There was uh, no one there. Oh. They walked into camp, no one there. The depot oh. was deserted. Um, Where did everybody go? So, have you heard of the dig tree? So yes. That's, like a, that's kind of a, that's a thing I'd heard of, which which I never really knew what it meant. But it, it was basically a, a, a tree that they left a message on, mm-hmm. etched in it, it said dig here, basically. Yep. Um, so, as Burke found that note. He was expecting to have there be a big party and everyone be like, "Oh, our hero has arrived!" But instead, he just found this little note on a tree, tell him to dig. That's why it's called the dig tree. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he followed the instructions ah. and he dug. <laughs> um, what what he found was a small box of provisions and a message that read, "Fuck you, Bert." <laughs> <laughs> Jess, you want to have a crack? That's not quite right. We've split the party. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that would have made him proud, though, right? Yeah, he would have yeah. been My like, boys. <laughs> oh, God, they did it. So then the, the note read, Depot, Cooper's Creek, April 21, 1861. The Depot party of VEE, the Victorian something expedition. The Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> that leaves this camp today to return to the Darling. I intend to go southeast from Camp 60 to get onto our old track near Baloo. 
Two of my companions and myself are quite well. The third, Patton, has been unable to walk. We're going to be the Burks. Eh? <laughs> been unable, unable to walk for the last 18 days as his leg has been severely hurt when thrown by one of the horses. No person has been up here from the Darling, so the other group had never Hadn't got made there. it. We have six camels and 12 horses in good working condition. Oh, that's just a brag. Bray. Yeah. So that's, a bray. The, that's the same day. The, you just, said, yes. April, you just <gasps> said April 21 twice. Yes. They'd left that day. The, the estimate is between seven and nine hours. Oh, oh my God. For, oh. No. So, oh, that's where you say that day that they, they, just ch- they buried oh. Gray, if they just went. I will just... Or just took an hour to... It was a shallow grave. Just a dig a bit. A whole day for a shallow grave. Just dig a bit. Chuck him in. No no disrespect to you, Charlie. I really like you. But a shallow grave is a shallow grave. They, they could spend two hours on it or all day on it. They spent all day on it. It's, at the end of the day, it's still shallow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They didn't respect you enough for a deep so, grave. <laughs> so, so, so basically, they waited uh, for four months and five days when told to wait for four months. Three months even, and then ah, make it four. And they, and they waited a little bit longer just just to give them a chance. Yeah. And they missed them by seven to nine hours. That is brutal. Oh my god. That and if, is if so that had brutal. happened, if that had happened, they would have uh, arrived to be greeted by six camels, twelve horses in good working condition, and a bunch of supplies still. So. So now that all they have is a couple of supplies and a note that's probably. Just the so, worst thing you could ever oh read. Oh man, um, what what do you decide to do from there though? So one thing you you would know from that note is that these guys are only seven to nine hours away. You're not far behind them. Yeah, do I you reckon, leg it and try and catch. Yeah, I reckon them? I'd walk all night. Yeah, and he's given instructions. Oh yeah, of course, because they'd have to stop. They'd probably and stop at night. You just keep walking, and he, and he said, said where they're going. Yeah, he so where so they're we going. told him where they were going. Uh, they decided uh, against that. They decided to just wait for 10 days, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> they decided to split the group. <laughs> yeah, split the party. Burke's like, all right, Wills. <laughs> um, oh, no. So at this stage, so they, they had very little supplies. They were really struggling. Burke had, an, had a few issues. Another one of his issues was that he saw Indigenous Australians being inferior to white man. And due to this, he refused gifts of food from the <gasps> local <laughs> Yantruwanta oh. people. Burke... Come the fuck on. I, I think he, he did take some, but he he could have, like, he, he definitely could have, anyway. You know what? Whites weren't particularly nice to the indigenous, so it's that they've turned around and gone, do you want some food? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got this. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in, Do you but, know who I am? <laughs> but what I what, what is sort of pretty funny about it is that he's like, I think we've got this, and then uh, he and Wills tried to copy the locals, so they were sort of, like, looking at him going... They're eating these uh, things called Nardu cakes, and they're somehow prepared from some seeds from a, a fern, a local fern around here. Yeah, let's just try that. Let's try it without so we knowing won't, we any won't, dangers of it. We won't uh, take it, but we'll just try and make it. Yeah, that's right. We won't take it. The pre-prepared, one's prepared earlier. We'll, we'll, we, c- we got this. Though. We got this. And after a while, they found these ferns, and they, they did prepare some. What they didn't realize, if not prepared properly, it would prove toxic. <laughs> Of course it would. Of course it would. Yeah. Um, this this crucial information uh, could have obviously been learnt from the from the locals, the Indigenous Australians. But uh, instead, Burke and Wills decided to slowly die. <laughs> they didn't decide, but they slowly died from starvation and chronic loss of vitamin B one. 
um, which is what the the seed did. It would make you feel like you were full, and it made you feel like you were eating enough. But your body, like it, like it wow. physically enough food's going in, but it, it's depleting your stores of B B one, and means that yeah, you just slowly die. Like, oh, I don't know. Why I feel so it, bad. I've been eating so much of this yeah. berry. I think I'm gonna eat some more. So apparently, I don't know if you have any interest in how how it goes. This guy, um, anthropologist and botanist Philip Clark, says that some of these foods, like nardu, need to be collected once they've aged, so not green like they were picking it. And but it also needs to be sluiced and ground up, and a lot of the toxins washed out. And even after that, it needs to be baked just to make sure. So they so they're about five steps off. There was, there was <laughs> stuff that they weren't. It's like trying to make room. a cake by putting eggs and flour in a bowl and going, well, that that's what they were doing. Yeah. It was a cake. So they basically, so they died separately. Burke, uh, Wills, I think Wills told Burke to go on or vice versa and they, they sort of moved on a little bit and Wills they died. They the with, party. Yeah, just with a, a gun in his hand, sort of died and they, it was all a bit of a messy end um, and they all died, uh, those two just died by themselves. Burke and Wills just um, dying of starvation alone. One of them had gone off from the other. Yeah, um, better news for John King. He was Kingy. He, he was the um, the only one who made it all the way to the top who survived. Um, wow. Although he didn't, he was twenty miles short, but he basically made it to the north. Um, and he 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 decided to search for the local Yantruwanta people, and he basically just made himself a hanger on. Uh, this is what. Um, it's so what one account by a man named Philip Clark we were talking about before. He said that uh, King basically made himself a hanger-on of the local Aboriginal camp and sort of just refused to leave them alone. <laughs> Even like, though at one point away. they were intimating he should stay behind and not follow them. And him like uh, pretending he didn't understand. Uh, sorry, yeah, I will come I with you. Thanks. I'll have some more fish. Yeah. What? But um, this guy King, obviously not like Burke, didn't see them as being inferior saw them as being the only people who were comfortably living there. Um, so yeah, that's right. They would know nothing about this land. They seem to be living off amazingly but well. But he, he hung around long enough that they adopted him into their clan and ensured that he survived. Wow. Yeah, so they, they saved his life. Apparently he lived with them for several months and uh, just enough time to strike up a relationship and have a child. What? Yeah. Whoa. So he really got into the... Into the community. Oh, he did. And do you reckon he's, got, he's pro- got into the community? He's probably picked up the language because he's a bit of a linguist because he knew the. Oh, true. I thought he would know he knew English, and then he picked up the local Indian language when he was yeah, there. So, so he's probably he, a pretty good good at picking up language kind I of guy. Think, I think yeah, maybe I think you, when you immerse yourself in a a different language, right? That's it's meant to come on a lot quicker yeah. when no one else can speak English. That's right, and you're like, well, this is the little. only way I can communicate with my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, and our son. No, but he left before the son was born. Oh, what a dog! I don't think I don't know if he necessarily knew that she was pregnant. Oh, he's like, oh, condoms or whatever. No, nah, but um, <laughs> oh, it did not work out. Will's died at the rock star age of twenty-seven. Ah, oh, Willie Will's the first member of the twenty-seven club. Yeah, so the twenty-seven. So I've written down a, a few of the other ones. You, do you guys remember any of the members of the twenty-seven club? Yeah, Kirk Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and um, Winehouse. <laughs> Yes, Amy Winehouse, Winehouse is there. Um, Brian Jones from Rolling Stones. Yes. Man, you, you know all the key ones, basically. Uh, you got Robert Johnson. Oh, Robert Johnson's the young. But yeah, they're, they're probably all the keys. Weird aside. Um, 
just to wrap it up, I guess. They... So King, he moved on, but he did live. Yeah, that's just right. To... And that, wow. and he came came back and lived back in Melbourne. And that he so made it, it all the way back. Yeah, yeah sure. so it was sort of seen as a success because it was only meant to. It wasn't. They wanted to come home to get their, you know, the glory, but it was really just doing it. North, uh, south to north was a success. So it was, they were seen as the first Europeans to do it. So in a way, it was wasn't all failure. It just ended a bit. Bit rubbishy. I always had it in my head that they hadn't made it. I, for some reason, I, I knew it was something like they just missed out, and I thought they died like just as they were about to get to where they wanted to go. Right. I didn't realize they were seven hours behind food. <laughs> oh. Idiots. Yeah, I was the same. I, I knew the story as much as it was a couple of guys with beards who were in the desert. And and they it died didn't there. quite make it. Yeah, yeah. It didn't quite make it, but I didn't know anything more about it. Yeah. Um, there, there has been in 2011. There was a mock coronial inquest by the um, Legislative Assembly of Victoria, uh, so the huh. state parliament. They investigated the factors which may have contributed to the deaths of Burke, Wills, and Gray. They found that Burke's appointment was a fundamental mistake. Oh yeah, no shit. <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that. We could have called that at the start of which, this podcast. Which, oh wait, we did. <laughs> <laughs> which related to the deaths of uh, Wills and Gray, and that. All three men died of beriberi, starvation, dehydration, and thiamine deficiency, which is, uh, the coroner also suggested that one of the most fundamental errors made by the expedition was the decision not to utilise Aboriginal guides. Yeah. Which is, seems pretty clear as well. Yeah. If, if you, like, sort out to uh, bring in um, some Indigenous help as part of the expedition, it would have been a walk in the park. Well, compar- comparatively, absolutely, because they would have they wouldn't have had to bring any food. They could just get on the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm simplifying that way too much. But thanks Fun. so much, guys, for listening to my very interesting tale. Of it is the great Burke and Will of love, of... loss, and oh. laments. I think it should just be called the King Expedition because he was king. Yeah, yeah. Poor old king. king Street. Oh uh, yeah, apparently named after. The king of the day. Charlie Gray was still my favourite. Poor old Charlie Gray. He was hard done by. Very interesting. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, guys. Thank um, you very much, Matt. So we'll be back next week. Jess Perkins. Yes. JP. JP. <laughs> she has not revealed what she will be talking about, but I'm sure it will no doubt be a very interesting topic. Hope so. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Do go off. <laughs> Do go off. <laughs> Right on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 